Hey everybody, Dr. Mike Reed from Chiropractic Masters. Welcome to this master talk on Objection Management 101. Now the purpose of this call is really to help you master through objections that arise on a daily basis. Now, it's been my experience that for those of you who are in practice that keep seeing the same objections coming up day after day after day, that there's usually an issue with your procedures. Now, the majority of our objections that we usually have are usually mo- uh, money, that's financials, which is most common, uh, is time, uh, from time of the adjustment to time, the amount of frequency in the practice, and care protocols, meaning the length of the care protocols or the frequency of care. But one of the things I've discovered is that if you are seeing the same objection coming up day after day, then I want you to look at three key areas, the exam, uh, the doctor's report, and reported findings. And I'm going to walk you through the key things that you should be looking for and identifying in your practice. So the first question is, what is an objection? Why are people giving you objections? Well, first of all, let's just reframe an objection as to really what it is. And I've identified in 25 years of practice, 17 years of coaching, that it's one of four categories. Number one, it's based on ignorance, which means they just don't know. I mean, how many times have you had a patient under care and you find that you have to stop and re-explain things or when you're doing a report of findings? Well, we're going to talk about some of the things you could and should be doing to really head off any ignorance in your practice. That usually comes down to the doctor's report. Another key category for the objection is uh, it might be... It might be that they're asking for a solution. Now, one of the things I've learned from Tony Robbins, and this goes way back in my Tony days, is that when they're asking for a solution, it's a cry for help. They're they're looking for you to provide an answer uh, for their challenges that they're having. Number three, the objection can be a value proposition issue. What I mean by that is they just do not see the value of your care. And I'm going to come back to what I call the navicular in your practice, which is the doctor's report. So I've seen patients who are not educated, they haven't had the doctor's report, versus those that are educated, and those that are educated get the big idea, so they understand the value of care. And this is where you don't even no longer have to sell chiropractic, they come to you to buy it. And there's this flip in the understanding of the need for chiropractic and embracement of having chiropractic in their lives. And that reduces a lot of the objections you're going to have. And the last one is a trust issue. And what I mean by that, we as chiropractors are very, very left brain. We like to spew the facts. We like to give the research. And I was, I was, I'll admit, I was terrible with this when I first started in practice. I was, you know, here's the PowerPoint, here's the slide, here's the research. And yet I wasn't right brained enough. I, I wasn't gaining their trust. So the fourth level is really a trust issue. It's about you. And we might think that really it's not about us, but I'm, I'm going to talk to you about steps you should take to actually uh, develop uh, rapport or bond with your patients because the new thinking of marketing today, the new marketing, or the new rules of marketing is before they buy from you, they must first like and trust you. So. If you are listening to me, I just want you to write those four categories of objection. One is ignorance. Two is they're asking for a solution or it's a way of saying, hey, help me. Three, it's a value proposition issue. 
which means they don't don't see the value of it. I'm going to talk to you about one little step that you can put into your examination that's completely going to eradicate that. And number four, it's a trust issue. We need to get them to trust you. So here's some key things that I've identified over the years for each and every one on this uh, master talk to actually reduce objections. Now, I'm, I'm very analytical from the perspective that if I see repeat patterns, I'm going to go back in and I'm going to look at my procedures. I'm going to look at what I'm doing on a regular basis. And there's a number of key areas that you should actually be looking at to reduce these, to reduce these uh, objections. The first one is um, rapport building. And this is, this is essential because one of the things that we have discovered over the years is that they have to buy you, especially in today's world, the, the like-trust-buy issue that you've heard me talk about uh, over the years. So that's the very first thing that we really want to be focused on is getting them to uh, like and trust you before they're going to buy from you. And there's a story of two bulls on the hill. I talk about this quite frequently because many of us, especially when we have an influx of new patients, we can tend to, uh, we tend to rush them through. We tend to, uh, you know, almost have them as a number versus um, a, a true person. And I'm putting up my hand once again because I was guilty of this in my early years in practice is that I, I rushed people through. I was so left brain, so analytic about proper exams and proper reports that I really didn't bond with that patient. And the number one thing, I want you to create a checklist. There's just really uh, a number of key areas here, three key areas, is I want you to create this checklist. Uh, and this is about rapport building. And I want you to put a little note beside this. And it's about taking your time. And it really comes down to a story that hopefully you'll, you'll remember this story. And it'll resonate with you. But there's two bulls on a hill. And there's a young bull. And there's this older bull. And they're looking down in the pasture below, and they see a lot of cows. And the young bull, he nudges the older bull, and he says, Hey, look, down in the pasture, there's a whole bunch of cows. Let's run down and get us one. And the old bull looks at him, and he's sort of chewing his cud. And he looks at the young bull, he says, Why don't we just take our time to go down? And instead of getting one, we'll get them all. And this is the same sort of approach that I've seen in practice, and, and this could be a, a low-volume or high-volume practice, is I've discovered that you, as a chiropractor, really need to slow things down. And in today's world, where the customer uh, is looking for service, and, and they're looking for that trust factor, and that's today's new rules of marketing, trust like before they buy. Remember that, that you're going to eliminate a lot of the objections by developing rapport. And... I can honestly say, and I keep going back to this one sort of turning point in my practice where I'm doing reports, and my office manager at the time was sitting schmoozing with my um, my new patients waiting for the report, and she'd be sitting in, in with the chairs, she'd be giving them some snacks and sitting down, and she had her arm rested over their shoulders, and we're just chatting with them, and our conversions were pretty well 100%. And I'm going, damn, what's going on? And I identified that she was actually strengthening the rapport with her patients. And it hit me like a light bulb. Just bam, just like all of a sudden I started making sure that I got into that right brain conceptual base. Now you've heard me talk about this before. The first thing I want you to do is make sure in your day one and day two procedures you're taking the time and schmoozing with people. And, and that is so paramount in my procedures nowadays. If I'm 
processing a new patient or doing a report of findings or doing a doctor's report. I'm just, I'm the old bull on the hill. I'm just taking my time and I'm getting them all. And this is why we have a conversion of 95% and very little objection management. So I, I'm going to uh, really suggest to those of you who are listening to this call is if you are too left brain, let's just slow down, get more social with our patients and develop that rapport. Number two to reduce objections is educating. And here's what I've discovered, that the majority of patients' perception of chiropractic, and I think many of you would agree with me, it's one adjustment for low back pain. As a matter of fact, I've seen associations put out advertisements that even suggest that. It's one adjustment, low back pain. So imagine that a patient comes in and they're not educated. They have an examination and they say, oh, am I going to get a, a, an adjustment or I'm getting, some of them use the word treat and I just want to die when I hear that, but they say, am I going to get an adjustment? You go, okay, and you adjust them and you wonder why they're not with you after two or three um, more adjustments. Well, I'm going to suggest that the number one thing to reduce a lot of objections you're having is to educate because how many of you have called that patient back and say, hey, where are you? You know, you're only here for two adjustments, two visits to my practice, and you're gone. And the patient says, oh, hey, doc, thanks. You were great. You got me better in two adjustments. I feel better. And you go, damn, there's no PVA there. It's shot. Well, did you really do that patient a service or a disservice? I'm going to suggest that that is more of a disservice because neurologically they're still on fire. Structurally, they're probably still way out of whack, and although you might have affected them subjectively, objectively, um, you really left that, left that patient in the same condition they've come in with. So one of the keys to reducing the objections, and if you get anything out of this um, this master talk tonight, is really taking the time and doing that doctor's report. It is the navicular. So in that doctor's report, there's three key areas of objections you can eliminate on financial time and care protocols. Number one is financial. So for those of you listening to me, I want you to write this down, and I keep coming back to comparing respectively uh, costs for, for things like braces. And what I mean by that is one of the challenges that we have is asking for the order. And if you're doing care plans of you know, $1,500 or $2,000 or $3,000, just use it comparative to things that they understand like braces. And this is where if you're doing a corrective care protocol, which I hope most of you are, validating the research. And for those of you struggling in a pain-based model, go corrective care. But I use a braces analogy that people understand. And people nowadays know that it's six, seven, eight thousand dollars $8,000 for braces, so they get that. So there is no shock when you sit down and you ask for a care plan of two and 3000 And that alone, that little shift has just eliminated a lot of the objections we're going to get from financials. So we do a comparative and, and understand braces are, you know, $7,000. And then when we ask for a care plan of two or three, it's, you know, no problem. The other issue is time and length for correction for braces can take up 12 months. So this is eliminated by talking about the length of time for correction. So we're using an analogy um, with regards to uh, dentistry. And then care protocols. Now, one of the things that I will actually put in my doctor's report is that best results occur when we see people weekly. And it's true. I mean, if you have an acute patient that comes into your practice or even a chronic patient, they're going to get far superior results if you saw them daily than if you saw them once a week, twice a week, or even three times a week. So this is where I'll put in best results occur daily. So when I sit with them, 
and I put them on a care plan of three times a week, there's no objection. So I think you can see how I've created a uh, respective uh, comparison to dentistry and patients get it and they get it right away. So that's another way to reduce objections. The third way is in your report of findings. And here's where I want you to provide um, best solutions. Now, I've also discovered that I do corrective care programs and I'll do 12 months. I don't have an issue with that because after 25 years of practice, I know it can take about 150 adjustments to make structural changes and neurological changes. But internationally, and for those doctors who may be guests on this call tonight, or for those of you who are just starting out, we highly recommend that you start with a six-month protocol if you are doing a corrective care with a minimum of what we call it's a default, a minimum of which you're willing to work with your patients. So let me just give me an example here. Um, even though I can validate uh, a care program of a year, just like braces for the teeth, the ones that um, are working very, very well worldwide, and I'm talking, uh, these are clients in Australia, Malaysia, U.S., Canada, and the U.K., is a six-month program. That's a 44. That's three for six, two for six, and one for 14. Now, that's using objective criteria, and these objective criteria are measurable. They're timely. Uh, I can objectify them. I can quantify them. And this goes, I'm not talking symptom-based, I'm talking object to criteria. So I'm going to provide a solution at my report of findings, but during that, I'm also going to have a default, and that default would be the minimum with which I might want to work with that patient. It might be 24 adjustments, might be 36. So respectively, let's say that's a, a six-month with a default of a three-month. Now, for those of you who are on this call, it could be a four-month and two-month. Uh, whatever you objectively feel is congruent with getting results with your patients. I'm not here to judge or teach you about care plans tonight, but what I do want to suggest is that if you go in there knowing with your objections that there is a possibility of objections in six months on money, on time, uh, or, you know, uh, the frequency, that you need to have a default ready to go. And if you can have both of those and you know what those are, I'm going to guarantee that you're going to have a 95% conversion with minimal objections and then during this whole approach to care plans, uh, the key is if you can get them through that initial intensive or corrective window, that um, ongoing wellness care is, is very easy to, to implement. So that being said, just to reduce objections by about 90%, um, rapport building, so get them to like you. Uh, two is educate, and that reduces the ignorance of the patient's perception of chiropractic. And number three is your report of findings by having um, solutions. So what I want you to do looking at that list, and hopefully you've written this down, is I want you to circle um, maybe one, two, or three of those, like, oh, man, I'm not educating my patients, or, you know, I'm not doing a proper report of findings. And just circle those, and then make sure that you, um, you know, adjust those and start implementing those into your, your practice. So that being said, um, let me share with you my secret sauce. And if those of you who are with me tonight, if I can get you to make a note of this, and if you get one thing out of this master talk, it's really the secret sauce formula. And this is where I'll peel off um, layers of objection with my patients that if the objection comes off, this is wax on, this is wax off. This is Karate Kid Tactics. And this secret sauce formula that I use for all of my objection management. And here's what I can honestly say is that I get very little objection management. So that's really the purpose of tonight's call is to share with you how to reduce it, but if you do get it, how to have the secret sauce. So number one, we've already said this, 
is number one is bonding. That's building the rapport. So I want you to write this down because there's four magical words that I use with my patients when I bond with them when the objection comes up, and that is I appreciate your honesty. So this is a way to actually bond with these people. So someone says to you, oh, my gosh, that's a lot of money, and I might say to them, you know, good health care can be expensive nowadays. You know, I appreciate your honesty. Good health care can be expensive nowadays. And that's just my way of, of bonding with them. I'm associating with uh, their concern. Uh, or they might say, oh, my gosh, six months, that's a long time. And that's where I might put in, I appreciate your honesty, but healing can take time. So they might say, well, that's a lot of adjustments in a week. I appreciate your honesty, but um, research has shown that, that it takes us, the best results occur daily. So, And then they're going to start to gain affinity with you on that. So the first one is bonding. Number two is increasing the value. And a number of years ago, I learned something extremely important when I worked with the Fortune Management Company. This was a, a dental company. And the dentists were actually using this in Fortune Management. They were capturing what they call the primary value. So I want you to write this down, the primary value. And the primary value was really identifying the number one thing that people needed to get back to, the number one thing that they were not enjoying because of their health complaint. So for the doctors on this call, I'm going I'm to pre-frame this with you, and I'm going to ask you a question. If you had a child that one day you discovered had cancer, what would you do regarding time, money, and care to save your child's life? Now, as a parent, and I'm going to assume much like many of you on this call, you would do whatever it takes. You would beg, borrow, steal, kill to make sure that you can get the proper care for your child. But often when we do a history, and you know we're so lackadaisical about it because we might be seeing 40 or 50 new patients that month, that we just do the quick medical-based history, we don't think about the primary value. Now, the dentist, the very last questions of their exam, which we've adopted into my coaching protocol, was to ask them the primary value. And what we ask them at the very end of their history is, what is the one thing that you're currently not enjoying in life because of your current health condition? So I'll repeat that. I want you to write this down because this is the big aha for many of you. What is the one thing that you're currently not enjoying in life because of your current health condition. So I'm going to capture that. And for some people, it might be um, golfing or playing with their grandkids or, you know, uh, getting back to running. You want to pull that out because everybody has a primary value. You know, for, for me, you know, if, if I was discombobulated and subluxated to the gazoos and I couldn't work out or I couldn't exercise, man, that's my primary value because, When that patient starts with the objections, one of the things you want to do is look down at your history. You want to look at that primary value and you say to your patients, can you imagine what your life would be like having your health back or being able to get on the golf course again or being able to play with your kids or being able to exercise? And here's what we discovered, that if you can pull out their primary value and have that as a arrow in your quiver, that when the first objection comes up, you want to equate the amount of care of usually time and money with the importance of their primary value. And I think you get that. Just like a child having cancer, to you, your kids are everything. For most people, their primary value is the number one thing that they're really identifying or sub-identifying in their history that they want to get back to. So 
The third step in my secret sauce, four-step formula, are the two keywords. I want you to write these down. Are the keywords if and would. And I pull that out all that time. And we're going to review this. But what I'm going to do is using the keywords if and would, I'm going to separate their objection with the solution. You know, Tony Robbins always used to say that, that you, you don't have you don't have challenges. You don't have problems. You have challenges. And what I'm going to say is you don't have objections. What you have is, is solutions. Or what you want to do is identify a solution. So if a financial concern came up, oh, that's a lot of money, Dr. Mike, or I can't afford that right now, I might come up with the, the if and would question. If we could find a solution to your financial concerns, would you want the care? So I want you to write that down because this is a – $10,000 turning point. If we could find a solution to your financial concerns, would you want the care? And everybody says yes. So what I've done is separated their objection, the financial, with a solution. I'm just going to work on a monthly budget, or I'm going to maybe temper the care a bit and make it more affordable on a monthly basis, because my objection is really to get them through that first window of corrective care. Is it okay to spread it out from maybe three months to four months or six months to eight months? Absolutely. All right? But what I'm going to do is, is use the words if and would. Uh, the next one, it might be on time. If we can find a solution to you getting your adjustments three times a week, would you want the care? Absolutely. Yes, Dr. Mike, how can we do that? Well, let's, let's work on solutions. Um, it might be, in, and this is one that comes up quite a bit, is, you know, I have to get to work. Well, we start as early as 7.30 in the morning. If we could get you in as a first patient and get you adjusted in and out, would that work for you? Oh, yes, it would, Dr. Mike. So sometimes the solutions are really, really easy. And just as a note, I want you to make a little sort of um, three-star on this one. Here's what I've also discovered with regards to time is that a lot of people's concerns is that the time in the office after a day one exam and a day two doctor's report and report of findings is roughly 30 to 60 minutes. And people are thinking, oh, my gosh, i got to come 44 times, three times a week for 30 minutes. First thing you need to put in is on the time objection is let them know that uh, 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 sequential um, visits are going to be only five or ten minutes. You're basically able to get in and get out. Oh, okay, that's not a problem with three times a week. So uh, the fourth step to the secret sauce are keywords. I'm going to put this under experience. So often when I get um, objections regarding, you know, um, Say, for example, uh, people come in three times a week or daily. I use the word research has shown. I, I, I will throw that research has shown that we're going to get better results with a daily adjustments or better results at three times a week. Or I would say, um, from my experience, um, it takes a minimum of you know, three times per week to get the best results or it takes a minimum of three months to see effective change. Or the other keyword that I'll use is what I've discovered. What I've discovered is the best results occur at three times a week versus once a week. So just to recap my secret sauce, number one is coming back to bonding and building rapport. That's critical. Okay, so I always come back to I appreciate your honesty. Number two is increasing the value, and that's the primary value that you want to pull out. So in your histories, I want to make sure that the last thing that you're going to capture from your patients is their primary value. What's the number one thing that you're currently not enjoying in life because of your current health condition. Number three, the keywords if and would. So you're going to separate the objection to the solution. If we can find a solution to your financial concern, would you want the care? Absolutely. And number four is experience. And the three most powerful sentences that I use is research has shown, 
from my years of experience and what I've discovered. So in summary of all of these key areas, I want you to write these six things down because here's what I've discovered. If you can follow what I've taught you on this master talk, you're going to see a massive difference a massive difference because I've fine-tuned this procedure with a lot of my clients worldwide. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in the U.K. or down under in Australia. It's the same everywhere. There's no, there's no borders in chiropractic. It's the same. Number one is bond. So our summary list is number one is bond with them. Number two is educate. Get going on a doctor's report. Have them there first to get the big idea and really answer a lot of questions and the objections they might have before their individual report of findings and look for the repeats. Number three is use measurable objective criteria. And I like to use x-ray, pre and post, and substation scans. Look at neurological integrity. I've talked about that ad nauseum. That's going to go way beyond, um, you know, issues of uh, pain base or uh, neurological or, sorry, um, uh, doing some sort of uh, neurological findings. Number four is go seven deep. And what I mean by this is know their primary value and then use my four-step secret sauce formula. And what I mean by that is you might have to go deep with regards to multiple objections. And sometimes it's as many as seven because they have multiple layers. Your patients can be like onions. It could be time. It could be money. It could be frequency. You know, it could be I got my kids or, you know, I, I need a letter from work. You've seen them all. I mean, just be, be prepared to go seven deep and, and wax on and wax off. You must be the karate kid of chiropractic. Number five is default. So when you go into that care plan and you have a recommendation, this is what I need because these are my objective criteria to get back to normal, know what the default is and understand this one thing. In today's world, the dollar is being stretched farther and farther. You've seen that. Back in the in the 80s and, and 90s, you know, it, it's tons of insurance. People had more disposable income. Nowadays, they don't. So we have to be um, savvy and aware that uh, people have financial concerns. And the last one, step number six in the summary is a follow-up. I'm going to share one thing with you. As I've discovered, my rule of thumb is if you have a patient in your practice and they're not committed to your best recommendations, let's say it's a six or 12-month program, make sure that you default to your lowest that you're willing to work with them and follow up within 24 hours. My split tests are showing that you can get a 25% bump in your closures with a 24-hour follow-up. So care plans that are closed, we have in a special file at the front desk. My CAs know to pull that out every morning. We go through that during our huddle, and we say, okay, who's going to follow up with John? Who's going to follow up with Stephanie? Who's going to follow up with Barb? And we're going to make sure that we do that 24-hour follow-up because people are at home, and they're still indecisive, but they're thinking, okay, do I do the six-month or the three-month? Do I do the 12-month or the three-month? And a 25% bump by reminding them and helping them make that decision. Wow, huge. So I want you to look at your list. I've got a lot of people on this call tonight. And what I'd like to do, I'm just going to unmute the call. And what I'd like to do is open For those of you who have questions regarding this, and I just ask because we are recorded calls, a lot of people on I do ask that you stay quiet in the background. Uh, if you have uh, CAs or you're finishing up your day, just try to be quiet as possible. But for those of you who have questions, uh, just state your name, where you practice, and just pose your first question. always tough being number one, right? 
No such thing as a silly question, guys, when it comes to objection management. Anything goes. For those of you who are guests tonight, if you haven't seen the new Jetpack program, you can get that from our homepage. Just go to chiropractic-masters.com, and you can do the Jetpack program for a 30-day trial for only a buck. Give me access to my 17-year-old library. Lots of videos and trainings. If you haven't seen that, that's where the mastery begins. All right. All the doctors on, and you guys either know the stuff cold or you're totally lost. Who's got a question for me? All right. So if there are absolutely no questions, going once, going twice, then I want to thank you guys for being on this master call. Go back in these notes, review those points, implement those in your day one, day two procedures, and watch the magic begin. Thanks for being on this master talk with me, guys. Until our next master talk, power talk, mastermind, inner circle call, or one of our mastery training universities coming up in Orange County, Montreal, and Cardiff, Wales. Uh, keep practicing with passion, guys. Go and save lives, and we'll see you on our next call.